Welcome, everybody, to the Skill Development Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Coach TJ. And today, it is season four, episode number four. And I am excited about today. I have to admit, I've been a little bit under the weather, so my voice is a little raspy. I may even cough a little bit uh, through the episode, but uh, I'm going to try to make it through. So please excuse me if I'm coughing or if I take a, a quick little break to give me a sip of water. Um, but I've got something exciting to talk about today. Basketball season is winding down, and I've been getting questions from some of the parents of the kids that I've been training <clears throat> about trying to find a summer team, a team to play on for the summer or in the spring and into the summer. So I actually have for you guys 10 tips on how to select a summer team. 10 tips on how to select a summer team. But before we get into that, let me tell y'all real quick about my book. My book is out, The Skill Development Playbook. It can be found on my website, tjonesfirm.com forward slash sdp hyphen book. That's T, that's the letter T, J-O-N-E-S, firm, F-I-R-M dot com forward slash sdp hyphen book. If you go to my website and click on that, um, you'll be able to get the, the book come in three different versions, a PDF download that you can purchase directly from my site. There's also an Amazon button that you can click on. It'll take it to the Amazon site to get the, the uh, paperback, which is $9.99, or you can get the e-Kindle version, which is $3.95. So, uh, oh, I'm sorry, the Kindle version is $3.99, and the PDF version on my website is $3.95. And also, there is a link that is in the Kindle version and also in the PDF version that will take you to um, some other content that I have for you for purchasing the book that you can opt into. I have a free five-day skill development course with like nearly two hours worth of content that you will be able to receive and go through. It talks about skill development in a little bit more detail, so uh, be sure to check that out. So, uh, tips. Excuse me. Tips for selecting a summer team. Okay, so tip number one, we're going to get right into this. Define your objective or goal for the summer. So if you're a player, no matter what grade you're in and you're trying to find, if you're a parent or a coach that's trying to find a team uh, for a particular player, you first got to define your goal. What is it that you want? to achieve over the summer. Now, I think there are three things you got to consider. Number one, improve your skills should always be at the top of the list. <clears throat> it doesn't matter what you want out of the team. Your first objective, your first goal, your first priority should be to improve your skills. I need to get better. I want to get better. Um, I have to improve my skills. That should be your first objective. But when it comes to picking a team, now you have to decide do I want in-game experience or do I want exposure? Okay. Now, you can have both. You can have both. You can get the improved skill, or actually, I should say all three. You can improve your skills. You can find a team that where you get in-game exposure or in-game experience and exposure at the same time. But the reason why I separate those two, because there are going to be some teams where you can get in-game exposure or, I'm sorry, <laughs> in-game experience and not a lot of exposure. And then there are going to be also some teams where you could flip that and your team will get exposure. But as a particular player, you may not get a whole lot of in-game experience. 
hopefully you can find a team where you can get both of those. So you have to kind of decide what it is that you want. So when you're sitting there and you're saying, okay, I want to play for a summer team this year. I know I'm going to improve my skills. I got that taken care of. But what do I want out of this team? Well, I'm in eighth grade, and I think it's more important for me to get in-game experience to work on the skills that I'm, I'm trying to improve than to worry about trying to play in front of a college coach or trying to play in front of a um, scouting service. And, you know, that's my opinion. That's my opinion. And, it's gonna, and that's going to be depending upon what age you're in, you know, what, how old you are or what grade you're in, how old you are and things like that. But if you're in like sixth, seventh grade, I wouldn't worry so much about exposure. I, I would worry more about getting my skills correct and getting in-game um, experience. So the first thing you got to do is to find your goal or objective for the summer. Number two. You have to determine what type of team you want to play for. Once you know if you need in-game experience or exposure, you need to determine what type of team you want to play for. Now, I have two different types of teams I want to talk about. There's actually three you can say, but I'm going to, I'm going to go with the top and the bottom. <clears throat> and when I say the bottom, excuse me, I don't mean the bottom as in, as in they're a bad team or bad organization or anything like that. So, the first thing I want to talk about is the elite travel team. The elite travel team. So, you may sit here and say, oh, I want to play for an elite travel team. And there are pros and cons to playing for an elite travel team. Okay? Let's talk about the cons first. The first con to playing for an elite travel team is you have to be invited to try out or to play. They may see you somewhere and, you know, they are kind of recruit you to play on their team. They may see you playing in a high school game or your school team, and they may talk to your parents after the game and say, hey, we're going to have workouts or we're going to do some skill development training or uh, we're going to start practice. We'd love for your son and your daughter to come out and see if, they can, if they're a good fit for the team. So if you are just a kid that's looking to that don't have anybody that's approached you or asked you, that's going to be a con. And the reason why I put that as a con is, I mean, that's a good thing. It can be a good thing, but it's a con because if they don't know you, if they don't know anything about you, then they may not allow you to be able to come in and try to make the team. So that's why I put that as a con. So you have to be invited to try out. Uh, another con, there's no guaranteed playing time. They may have 10, 11, 12 guys on the team, and they may only play seven or eight. And that's it. You know, so if you're that ninth, tenth, or eleventh player or twelfth player on that team, you may only get playing time every so often. A player gets hurt, a player gets in foul trouble. Um, some players are really playing bad and the coach is looking for a spark. So there's no guaranteed playing time. So even if you pay five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars, I know in some places players have to pay like a thousand dollars to play. And I don't know what all goes into that. Um, but they pay a lot of money to to be on this team and they may only play, you know, a couple of minutes um, in a tournament. So that's something that you'll have to, you'll have to wait. You have to, you'll have to look at that and we'll get into the money issue a little bit later, but that's something that you have to consider. Um, there's no guarantee playing time. Um, another con is there's little practice time. Um, now, everything that I'm telling you is not 
it's not concrete. It's not like that for every organization or for every team. But these are some characteristics that I've seen through different teams um, while doing this, okay? Little practice time. So here in Arkansas, there's uh, a few um, elite travel teams that play in different uh, Nike. Like there's a Nike sponsored team, there's a Adidas sponsored team. And these players have, and these teams have players from all over, all over the state, even from neighboring states. And they can't practice as much as they would like. They can't have practice twice a week, Tuesday and Thursday from six to eight, because there may be a kid from Mississippi. There may be a kid from Louisiana. There may be a kid from South Arkansas. There may be a kid, uh, four or five kids from Central Arkansas. Then it may be two kids from Northwest Arkansas. So they may have 10, 11, 12 players on their team, and they may only have four or five of them in a central region. And the other five or six may come from different parts of the state or even other states. So it's hard to get everybody together. So they had limited practice time. So if they have a tournament, let's say on um, – uh, a weekend tournament, they may get together the weekend before and do all day Saturday, half of the day Sunday, and then everybody goes back home. And then they get back together the next weekend to meet to go to the tournament. So it's limited practice time. Uh, and then the last kind is just cutthroat. <laughs> I'll just be honest with you. It's cutthroat. If you're not making it, um, and, and again, this ain't for everybody, but if you're not making it, if you're not holding up your part, if you're not performing to a certain level, they could get rid of you. I mean, it's just, I mean, you you could look at it as a bad way, but, I mean, you may be on the team one weekend, next weekend they may not call you. It's just how it is. It's just how it works. That's what I've seen. Again, I don't know. I'm not going to say every organization does that. I'm sure every, or every organization do not do that. But that's just a possibility. It's something you want to consider. Now, I gave you all the bad. Let's talk about the good. Uh, what are some pros to play on an elite travel team? Opportunity to play in front of college coaches. If you're on an elite travel team, and when I say elite travel team, I'm not talking about your team is just called elite. If you want to know if you're on an elite team, this is what you do. You ask all the players, who are they being recruited by? Like, really recruited by. If they're not naming off... Division one, division two schools saying I, I went to visit this school, I went on an official visit for this school, or or um these players are highly recognized, then you you know, if you if if your teammates are like that, if you look at um you got ten players on your team. Every single one of them being recruited, seven of them have division one scholarships, the other three have got junior college and division two scholarship offers, that's an elite team. If you ask your team, your teammates, you know, who you've been recruited by and nobody has a scholarship offer and y'all are juniors and you call yourself the elite, whatever, y'all ain't elite. It's not an elite team. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, it's just not. But these elite teams get the opportunity to play in front of college coaches. And I'm gonna I'm gonna share something with you real quick. I'm, I'm trying not to make this podcast too long, but I'm gonna show you something with you real quick. Um, 
there are some teams or some coaches that I'm not going to say they lie, but they mislead parents and players because they sell a pipe dream. Okay. Not everybody is like this. Again, I'm not trying to bash all of AAU and summer ball. I think it's, I think it's a great opportunity. It gives kids the opportunity to be able to go to college for free. There's some that, that wouldn't have an opportunity to. But then some of them look at it as a money grab and they give it a bad name. But there are some there are some teams that use certain information they mislead people. So here's what I mean. If you're playing on a team and nobody on your team is being recruited by Division I schools, and no one is really being recruited at all. They're all looking to play in front of coaches. And the coach comes to you, uh, to you as a parent or as a player and say, hey, we're going to this big tournament in Texas. There's supposed to be 85 coaches there. Now, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. And if you're listening to this and you're listening to this on my podcast, on my podcast, on my website, be sure to leave a comment down below and tell me if I'm wrong. But these tournament directors, they put together these tournaments and they try to have all the best or the high level elite teams play in a general area. You know, they may have them play all in one location or two real close locations, because as a college coach, I don't want to watch a team play at 10. That game is over at 11 and I got to drive across town to meet to see another team of a player that I'm recruiting at 11.30, drive back across town and watch somebody else play at one. So these tournament directors try to put everything in one in one spot. They try to, okay? So if you are in, let's say I'm going to use my hometown. So we have a tournament here in Conway. If, if you are on one of the better teams, your, all your games will may be at the local college. Or it may be at, uh, we have a gym here called the McGee Center. It may be at the McGee Center. And all the coaches will have an opportunity to go to this particular gym to watch those games. Now, if you're not on an elite team, your games may be in Valonia, which is a neighboring town that's about 15, 20 minutes away. And but what that coach would do is say, hey, we're going to play in this tournament. There are going to be 75 coaches. And the on, one of the only ways that you will be able to play in front of coaches is if you happen to play against one of those elite teams or your team made it deep into the playoffs or into the tournament, into the bracket. But I don't want parents, I don't want you to think that just because you go to a tournament that you're going to play in front of coaches. That's not totally true. Okay, so if you're on an elite team or a true elite team, you'll get the opportunity to play in front of coaches. Um, another pro, you could play with and practice versus some of the best talent. If you have a really good team, you're going to get some of the best players in your state, in your city, in your district, in your region, or even you know within the neighboring states to come and play. So it's a great opportunity to play against some really great talent and play with some really great talent. Um, every time you practice and throughout the summer. And then you have sponsorships. So you have sponsors. Everybody wants to be a part of a winner. So typically you don't have to do quite as much or any fundraising because you have the funds to fly out to different places. You have the funds for shoes. The coaches are decked out. You get 
T-shirts and warm-ups and all that stuff. So you have sponsorships, okay? All right. Excuse me. Let me hear this thing up here. Um, the other type of team you can play for is a local team. Now, here are some cons with playing for a local team. Um, a local team, you're not going to have many opportunities to play in front of college coaches. Um, they're not going to go to those type of tournaments. They're going to stay local. They may play in a 75-mile radius or a 100-mile radius type tournament. They may go to one or two big tournaments. You know, maybe they go to, you know, with Arkansas, um, they may go to Texas for a big tournament. They may go to Oklahoma for one tournament. But everything is pretty much in-state, which is nothing wrong with that. There's nothing bad about that. But it just they don't have the funds. They don't have the means to be able to go to Vegas, go to Florida, go to St. Louis, go to New Orleans, go to Chicago, go to Dallas for all these big-time or, or Atlanta for these big-time tournaments. So they have to stay close and play in local tournaments. And then that means you're limited with being able to play in front of college coaches. Um, another con is they don't always have the best talent. Yeah, I mean, it just, you know, you may look at a team and say, man, they got that kid right there is pretty good. But them other four players out there with him, whew, Lord. So it's just, it's just how it is. You know, uh, <coughs> excuse me. A parent may coach a team. They're from a small town. They got some players from that surrounding area. You find you a gym uh, that nobody knows about, and you have one or two pretty good players, and then you have, you know, four or five other players that just they're really not that good. They're they're good for for the town that they're in. They may be um, decent players, but they're not great players. So, you know, they don't always have the best talent. Then the other kind is sometimes a parent is also the coach. Um, You'll have parents that start coaching because they have a kid that's playing and their whole objective is to help their kid get better and secure a scholarship, which in turn, if they're not careful, can be a hindrance to the other players that's on the team. So you have to be careful with that. So those are the cons. Let's talk about the pros. Um, when you're playing on a local team, you have local players, so you get more play you get more practice time. You know, they typically practice twice a week for an hour and a half to two hours. So you get more practice time. Hopefully that the coach is having a productive practice so the players could get better and learn. Um, but you get opportunity to practice more. Less travel time. Another another uh, pro is less travel time equals less money to spend on trips. So, you know, you may have a. Uh, a weekend tournament, you don't have to spend the night. You can get up Saturday morning, drive to the location, drive back home, drive back Sunday, drive back home, and you you can make it back to work and not have to really come out of pocket. So, uh, But then when you do have a tournament that's out of town, you know about it far enough in advance to where you can make your accommodations and set your schedule to where you can go. But uh, less travel equals less money to spend on trips. And then you have more opportunities to develop. And the reason why I say this is because um, there are so many trainers now and there are so many kids that are hiring trainers. Um, and typically when you have a local coach, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes um, those coaches care more about the kids developing. And not saying that the elite coaches don't. It's just that if you play on an elite team, most times all those kids have a trainer anyway. 
So that coach, that coaches that elite team, they're not going to spend a whole lot of individual time with the players. But they're going to talk to this particular player about their individual skills in a team setting. And they're going to say, okay, this is how you need to apply your skills in this setting so you could be successful, which would in turn make our team successful. But um, in this situation, the pros is, you know, you have more time to develop because you get more opportunity to play. Uh, you may not be playing against the best talent, but you, you there's, there's that opportunity to do that. So tips for selecting an AAU summer team. Number one, you got to find your objective or, or your goal for the summer. Two, you got to know what type of team you want to play for. And number three, you got to be selfish. Be selfish. Skill development offseason is about the individual player. You have to be selfish. Does the team help you reach your objective? That's what you have to ask yourself. So once you um, define your objective and once you determine what type of team you want to play for, and then when you're trying to, to sort through the teams and that you may want to end up playing for, you have to determine, does this team help me reach my objective? What it is that they're wanting to do, what it is that you're wanting to do, if they can't help you reach your objective, I wouldn't play for their team. Okay? I, I just wouldn't. I think you'll have save yourself a lot of headache, a lot of problems. If you uh if you find a team that's gonna help you reach your objective. So that team that you're gonna play for has to help you reach your objective. Okay. All right, so number four. Now, once you've done all that and you're still trying to decide what it is, what team you want to play for, I think the parents and the kid, the first thing they need to do is meet the coach. Meet the coach. You have got to meet the coach. You need to talk to the coach. Come with a list of questions to ask the coach. Um Find out how long he's been coaching, he or she's been coaching, um, how long they've been coaching the team, what type of background do the coach has, what's the coach's philosophy. Um, meet with all the decision makers within the organization. So if they're the coach and then there's somebody that runs or oversees the organization, try to meet with them. And if, the, if there's somebody that runs the organization, but then there's another guy that's above them, Try to meet them. And it doesn't necessarily have to meet them in a sense of where you're asking them a lot of questions and it's like an interview process, but you want to know who these individuals are. Um, you know, so you want to kind of know the hierarchy of the organization. Now, if the coach is the end all be all of everything, then you should ask about funds, fees, and all things that deal with money. I've seen a lot of organizations break down over money. So if the coach is the one that's doing the fundraising, collecting the money, buying the uniforms, getting the hotels, and doing all that stuff, you need to know that. Okay? You need to know that. Is it a 501c? Is it a nonprofit? Is, you know... What, where all this money is going? Who has the account? Is it where's you know all the different types of things you want to know because you don't want any surprise. And if they don't want to tell you that information, then you probably don't want to play for them. That's just my opinion. Okay, you don't want any surprises down the road. So prepare your questions. Think about uh, things that are important to you. Um, 
But I will say you want to stay away from questions like how much playing time should my kid expect? You know, can you guarantee my kid a scholarship? All those different types of things. You, you Nobody can give you those answers. Scholarships are earned and not given. Playing time is earned is not given. So, um, you know, but you should have a list of questions of things that, that's important to you. And if you need help with coming up with some of those questions, y'all reach out to me and let me know, and then uh, I can shoot you some. All right, so um, number five, go watch a practice or a workout. Without getting into the teaching of the game, um, you should take notes on stuff like if practice starts on time and if it ends on time. See, that is important. That tells you about how organized that coach is. If the coach says practice starts at 5 and they show up at 5.05 and practice is supposed to be over with at 7 and they're done at 7.35, that means that the person that's in charge is not valuing the time of the parents. Okay, now I know things come up. I know things happen. So, you know, there could be a wreck on the interstate. Um, They could have a family emergency. They could have got off work late. Traffic could have been heavy that day, and all that's fine, but you don't want it to be something that's consistently happening. So if you show up to a practice to observe and the coach is late and you talk to the parents and say, hey, you know, coach was like 10 minutes late today. Is that something that's normal? And they say, no, nah, he, he ain't never late. Say, yeah, today was just one of them, just happened to be one of them days. But if they say, yeah, you know, typically we're supposed to start at 5, but all the parents know we, he probably don't get to about 5, 15 and then we're going to run over about 20 minutes. If they don't value their time and it's okay with them, then that's cool. But if you really value your time and you want a coach that's going to start and end practice on time, then you may not want to play for that for that coach, for that coach or be in that organization. Um, when you're watching, see how much discipline is going on in practice. What type of discipline is the coach giving? Is he yelling and fussing and cussing at the kids? Is he making them run? Is he making them doing push-ups? Is he, does he coach everybody the same no matter how they respond to him? You know, those are some of the things that you want you want to be aware of because you have to understand you are allowing your kid, your son, your daughter to play for an individual that's going to have an influence on them. So you want to have someone that can influence them in a positive way and someone that can reflect your goals, your values, your philosophy. Because even though it's basketball, there are so many life lessons in the sport. So you want them to be able to get something out of life through basketball. And a coach has, a, has an opportunity or influence to really help a kid in life. So those are some things you want to think about. Um, and then you want to look at the kids. How, they, how do they respect the coach? Are they well-mannered? Do they say, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am? Um, are they respectful? Uh, do they walk around with their pants to their to they knees? Are they pulled up? Are they dressed neatly? Are they mannerable? Are they, you know, neat? I mean, all these different things you want to think about because, because again, not trying to be overprotective, but these kids are going to have an influence on your kid. Um, they be spending a lot of time with them over the next four or five or six months. So um, the last thing you want is your coach to allow your kids to just run them up and your son or your daughter gets influenced in the wrong way, okay? So watch a practice or workout. Uh, number six, ask for a schedule. Now, this is important because so, the reason why you want to ask for a schedule, and, and don't get me wrong, 
Uh, you could ask the coach for a schedule in February. They can get you a, a tentative schedule. And then by April, that schedule could be completely changed. That's perfectly fine. Okay? But you want to have an idea of what they're going to do. <coughs> Excuse me. How many games they're going to play? How many tournaments they're going to be in? Are they out of town? Are they out of state? You know, how far away? Are they overnight trips? So you could put together a plan or even a budget, which is what we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Um, so you can put some things together and put some things in place that's going to help you when that time comes. The last thing I want is for a coach to call me or tell me at a Tuesday practice, hey, guys, on Saturday, and I live in Conway, Arkansas, hey, guys, Saturday I put us in the tournament, we're going to go to Dallas for the weekend. What? No. I need to know this well in advance. Or we're going to go to Fayetteville and have a tournament, we're going to spend the night, and now we got to all of a sudden make these accommodations. I just don't like that. I don't I don't think that goes well. Uh, I think parents should have at least – at least, if it's an overnight trip, at least two weeks of no, uh, advance notice. Really, that should get about a month um, to really get some things taken care of. Because, you know, when you're talking about an overnight trip, that's a lot that has to be done. Um, so, as for a schedule, um, you want to know how many weekends they're playing. Is there a lot of travel involved? So, you know, your family got to schedule your vacations and family events around your kids' basketball time. So, it's it's great to have that so you'll know what you need to do. All right, number seven, talk with other parents. Ask them questions. What do you like about the coach? What do you not like about the coach? Is he punctual? Is he normally late? Is he rude? Is he responsible? Does he treat the kids well? How does he handle responsibilities? Um, is he trustworthy? All these different... Now, if a parent is giving you bad report on the, on the coach... And then you should ask them, why are you letting your kid <laughs> play for them? Um, but those are some questions you want to think about. Um, now, you have to admit and you have to realize there's a difference between fact and opinion. Okay? Um, an opinion would be if I ask a parent, is he a good coach? And, a, and the parent says, no, nah, he's a horrible coach. Or, oh, man, he's the best coach my kid's ever had. Okay? It's all about perspective. Okay? So, those type of questions you want to stay away from. You want to know questions like, how does he treat your kid? Does your kid enjoy playing for him? Um, and all of this is going to be objective but when you say things like, can he coach? Um, when you start getting into things about his coaching ability, that's just going to be somebody's opinion. And that person that's giving you their opinion may not know more about basketball than you do. So I would stay away from stuff like that. But just talk to them, ask them how things have gone in the past, ask how long they've been, they've been with the organization, what the organization is like, what the team is like. What are the players like? What are the other parents like? You know, all the different things that you'll want to ask to get as much information uh, that you can. Uh, and then the next one, let's see, what are we on? Number eight. Number eight, talk with former players. You can ask the, the current players, but also talk with, talk with former players. Ask them, 
you know, what did you enjoy most about playing for this team or with this coach? What did you not like? Was he real hard on you? Was he fair? You know, um, did y'all get opportunities that you don't think you would have gotten anywhere else? Did your coach help develop you? Did this organization take care of you? Did they treat you right? Right? Did they treat you well? So those are some things you want to ask. And I think if you talk to the players, talk to the parents, uh, you ask the coach questions, you get a schedule, you watch a practice, you you understand what your objective is and what it is that you're trying to accomplish, and you know the difference in the type of team that you want to have, whether it's an elite or a local team, or it could be a team that's got a mixture of both. It could be um, a team that travels not as much as an elite team, but they travel more than a local team, and not everybody on that team is elite. So you may have 10 players on the team, and four or five of them may get scholarships, but then three or four of them may play a different sport, and then one or two of them may decide they don't want to play basketball at all. But they may go to two or three tournaments out of state versus all of their tournaments have been out of state, if that makes sense. Okay? So um, you do all that, you'll have some pretty much some good information to help you make a good decision on whether or not this team fits. I don't know. I I know I made it made I might have made it seem like it's more work than it actually is, but you can get all that done just by going to one practice. You know, you talk to the team, you go to a practice, you observe, you meet the coach, you watch the practice, you meet the coach, you ask him for questions, you ask him about a schedule, uh, you talk with some of the parents that's there, and then you find out some of the former players who used to play for them and ask them what they feel about it, and then you get your get you a good idea of whether or not it's a good fit uh, for what you want and what your son want or your daughter want and if it's a good fit, okay? Now, once you've done all that, I still have two more tips. So let's go through those real quick. Um, Number one, define your objective or goal. Number two, what type of team do you want to play for? Number three, be selfish. Does the team help you reach your objective? Number four, you got to meet the coach. Number five, watch a practice or workout. Number six, Ask for a schedule. Number seven, talk with the parents. Number eight, talk with formal players. <coughs> Excuse me. And number nine, develop a budget. Develop a budget. Now, here's what I mean. If you play for a summer team, then you typically will have to pay some type of funds. Um, you may pay... I've seen teams charge $300. I've seen teams charge $500. I've seen teams charge $1,000. Okay? So once you pay that, you need to find out, or when you get ready to pay, you need to find out what that money goes towards. Okay? I'm paying you $500. What am I getting in return for that? And they may tell you shoes, bags, you know, um, you're not gonna, you're not paying for jerseys. They don't want just anybody keeping their jerseys. So you're gonna get shoes, bag, you know, like some gear, and um, then they may tell you that's gonna help with like some overhead, some administrative fees, like tournaments, and and um, um, you know, hotel. 
stuff like that, or food or whatever. Okay, so they're gonna get that. They're gonna they're gonna charge you for that type of stuff. Now, so now if you are, and I'm not, and, and I started to write down, be real specific with a budget, but I didn't. Um, but I'm just gonna go through this real quick. So let's say you have a family of four, and you have a tournament in Dallas. And the team is going to travel, so you're going to drive. Whether the team flies or whether the team drives, your kid is going to be pretty much taken care of. Okay, that whole state, they're going to be taken care of. So they're going to have a hotel room. They're going to get food from the from their coach. They just need spending money. So if you're there, typically tournament started. If it's a big tournament, it'll go Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So your team typically gets there on a Thursday. So if you're if you're a family of four. But you're responsible for three. You get there on Thursday. So you have your gas to get there. You have gas while you're uh, driving in town. So let's say you got to fill up four times. Okay. Typically four times. Um, Well, four or five times. Depending on what type of vehicle you drive. um, How far away from down. So for me... uh, I had to fill up two times to get to Dallas from where I am. And I have a Chevy Impala. If I put, uh, I can make it on one tank, but I don't like getting there with like less than a fourth of a tank. So I get by halfway and I stop and I fill up. So I fill out, use two gas tanks to get there, drive around town. That's another gas tank, maybe two. Then I fill up again. So let's say, Four. We'll just say four, okay, at $30 uh, to fill up, okay? So you got your gas, then you got food for two adults and another kid. Let's say you have a a 10-year-old. Your your oldest kid is in high school, and you have a 10-year-old or 12-year-old. And so you got food. Um, If you leave out on Thursday, you got dinner Thursday. You got breakfast on Friday, unless you stay at a particular hotel that serves free breakfast. You have lunch. You have dinner um, Friday. Same thing Saturday. And then you got breakfast and lunch on Sunday. And and that's just food. Then you may have any entertainment. You you know, you may want to go to a movie. Uh, You may even take the kids to Six Flags if you're in Dallas, depending on when you play. Um. You know, you may take them to a place like main event. So on a weekend like that, Thursday through Sunday, you can, and plus hotel, you can easily pay $1,000. Okay, I think that's safe to say. If you stay a hotel room that's $150 a night, and you stay Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that's three nights. So you're looking at uh, $450 with tax about $500 for hotel. You're paying another 120 in gas at 620, and and then um, you look at food and then entertainment. Easily a thousand dollars, okay? Easily a thousand dollars. Now here's the thing I want you to think about: if you have, if you're on an elite travel team and you have five of those tournaments, if you're one of those parents that go to everything your kids do, that's easily five thousand dollars that you could spend. Okay, in the summer. And that's not including travel to and from practice, buying any gear, you know, uh, parents buying T-shirts or stuff like that. So you can easily spend, 
in the course of an AAU season, six to $7,000. And if you do that for an extended period of time, starting in like sixth grade, all the way up to their junior year for six years, you're going to spend about $50,000. Easy. Some schools, that's, that's a scholarship. That's almost four years of school right there, $50,000, to, to get a scholarship. So you want to develop a budget. And, and a lot of parents don't think about that. But you want to develop a budget and understand that, you know, we're here to try to get a scholarship. <laughs> but you have this money that you're spending. So I say that because that's, that is important. Um, I, don't, I don't want to see a parent go into debt trying to give their kid a scholarship. So that's something you got to say. I know I went on a tangent about that, but that's something you got to consider. So when you're looking at this, you may want to put together a budget so you'll know how much you want to spend when you go on these trips because I'm telling you, if you're playing on one of those teams that travel a lot and you try to go everywhere your kid goes, and let's say they – if you if, I'm in Arkansas. If if my, if my daughter played on the elite team and she went to Vegas, I'm trying to go to Vegas too. And I'm telling you, we ain't driving no 24, 25 hours. We're going to get on the plane. It'd be me and my wife and my other daughter. So you're looking at about $1,000 plus in just plane tickets. And I ain't counting hotel and food and entertainment and getting in the game and all that other stuff. So it could easily, that weekend could easily be $2,500 to $3,000. And if we have four of those throughout the year, you're looking at about twelve to fifteen thousand dollars that we can end up spending just on her to try to get the opportunity to play in college. So it gets really expensive. So that's why I say you gotta put together a budget. All right, and the last one, I know I've been talking a lot, it's much longer than I wanted to go. Last one, and this is not really about how to select a team. The budget is isn't, but that is something to consider because if you see that it's going to be very expensive and you can't quite do it, then you may want to scale back and say, okay, this team travels too much, baby. We're going to have to play for this team. Maybe next year you can play on this team. Um, but then the last thing is, parents, please, if you don't remember nothing else I say, remember this. Do not believe that playing on an elite travel team will secure your son or daughter a scholarship. It's not going to happen. Just because you put on that uniform, just because you sit down on that bench, just because you step on that floor for that elite team does not mean you're going to secure a scholarship. And it definitely does not mean that you're going to be a high major Division I player. Okay? What it does afford you to do is to have opportunities. And it's also up to the parent to be informed about how to maximize on those opportunities. So if your kid is playing in front of 25, 30, 40, or 50 coaches, how can you maximize that opportunity? If if uh, uh, if they play well, they don't have to be the best player on the team, but they have to fill a void that a college coach or a college team may have. We need a shooter. We need someone with size that can shoot the basketball. If your kid is 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", and they can fill it up, and they can play some defense, and maybe a Division One coach out there that's looking for that, or Division Two. Okay, so don't think that just because they're on the team, they're going to automatically get a scholarship. As a parent, you can't put all your eggs into one basket. You can't just think that that AAU team is going to give your kid a scholarship. 
You have to do your part. You can't be afraid to reach out to coaches. You can't be afraid to go to their camps. You can't wait to their junior year or going into their senior year to start trying to go to some of these camps. They have camps in June. When your kid gets about ninth grade, eighth, ninth grade, they need to be going to some of these camps. Okay, they have elite camps that your kid needs to be going to that will help them out. But if you're not doing that, if you're not doing your part, you can't get mad at this particular elite team because you feel like they didn't help your son. You have to do your part. Don't uh, think that just because you play on an AAU team or an elite team that you don't need your high school coach. You need your high school coach too. Because what's going to happen is no matter how good of, how good you play in summer, they're still going to come back to that high school team because they're going to want to know uh, how he performed in school, what's his grade, who is his, what's his ACT. So they're going to contact the school, and they're going to talk to the coach also. Now, they may have a closer relationship with the AAU coach, but at the same time, they're going to want to talk to the high school coach too. So, you know, talk to your high school coach, see who he knows, see if there's people he can reach out to. Find out what he, what your son or daughter needs to work on. And don't put all your eggs in one basket. All right. Woo. 45 minutes and counting. Way over my time. I apologize. This is much longer than I want it to be. Um, but again, real quick, uh, tips for selecting the AAU summer team. Number one, define your objective or goal for the summer. Number two, what type of team do you want to play for? Number three, be selfish. You need to know if the team will help you reach your objective. Number four, meet the coach. Number five, watch a practice or workout. Number six, ask for a schedule. Number seven, talk with parents. Number eight, talk with former players. Number nine, develop a budget. And then number 10, don't believe playing on an elite travel team will secure your son or daughter a scholarship. I appreciate everybody that's been listening. And again, I apologize. I know this went way longer than I had planned. Uh, typically, if you're listening to my podcast for the first time, uh, I typically try to I try to keep my podcast here late. I've been trying to keep it under 30 minutes. Today it went way over. Um, I apologize, but listen, connect with me on social media. Um, I am on Instagram and Twitter. My handle is at mbnbball on on Instagram. I do more Instagram stories. So if you go to my page. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you go to my page, you may not see a whole lot of pictures. But just know I, I do more stories. I'm also on LinkedIn for all the professionals out there. Look me up, TJ Jones on LinkedIn. Um, what else? What else? Uh, if you need to connect with me uh, through my website or email, email me at info at T Jones firm, info at T J O N E S. F-I-R-M.com. Um, I have started a new uh, consulting company. So if you need anything skill development related, whether you're a coach, whether you're a basketball organization, whether you're a player or whether you're a parent and you need questions, answer, you need help, you need guidance, I do offer consulting. So please don't be afraid to reach out to me. I can help you with that. Um, my book, I gave you my information for my book at the beginning of the podcast. It's mbnbball.com. Uh, I'm sorry, tjonesfirm.com forward slash sdp hyphen book to go to my website. There's three different versions that you can purchase. Uh, I'm also on Snapchat. Look me up, Coach TJ Jones. I don't post nothing on Snapchat, but I still let people know I'm on there. Um, not really active, 
But that is it. Again, I apologize. It took me so long. I apologize about my voice. It's a little raspy today, but hopefully next week I'll be, I'll be 100. So until next time, thank y'all and God bless.